0: Brine Ministries International presents Todd Talks, featuring Todd Edwards. Amen. Christine, thank you. You're welcome. Hmm. Uh, I I really appreciate Christine, I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, everybody here that this is a place, and you guys have heard me say this before, we can go hard, we can go fast, we can go unfiltered. And for those that are are new to this study, new to bride, uh, there are a lot of building blocks that uh, we may take granted for that, that we've talked about in the past. Uh, So ask questions, um, reach out to Bride Ministries. There's a lot of great courses to to get those building blocks. Uh, Today, we're not going to go into milk. We're just going to hit the meat, and it's going to go fast and hard. You guys know how that's how we roll. So today, Isaiah 59. And, of course, before we get started... I have a couple thoughts I want to share um, to open up Isaiah 59. And if you guys remember a couple of, a few studies ago, going back to, I think it was Isaiah 54, we released in prayer the destroyer to birth. And this was in conjunction with Zion's cry for her children to be set free and along with the destroyer being released the destroyer is not something that just goes it's not an entity of god's army that just goes out anytime there's specific missions the destroyer was out during the time of exodus to release bondage and we were in the middle of isaiah We're in the middle of engaging Zion and helping Zion be birthed onto the earth here in the last days. The destroyer was released. The covenant of peace was associated with that. What has happened in the Middle East since? That's the power of operating the spirit first and then manifesting on the earth. Think about what's happened in the Middle East, covenants of peace and the rearranging of the chessboard of countries. Israel pays deal with UAE, with Bahrain and a whole bunch more are coming all of a sudden, all at once. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm not saying that these countries are good or bad. I'm not saying that these countries are of Political Zion or not God is forcing them to re, be rearranged in a way to set up the revelation of Zion to be burst into the Earth, and including into Jeru- the place of Jerusalem when he's going to move Jerusalem 40 kilometers to the north. He is rearranging all the structure and the infrastructure that the enemy has set because the enemy had all that location set and locked up. And it's all being broken apart now as individual sovereign nations. I mean, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. So that, that hit me this week. I was like, oh <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, <clears throat> also, uh, wanna share about timelines, had a revelation on timelines, and then took some action in my personal life on timelines. We are to guard our gardens. We know this from Adam and Eve. They were assigned to keep, means tend to, and guard your garden. They had to tend to the garden and guard it. And we're supposed to do the same thing with our hearts tend to our hearts, and guard our hearts. And it hit me um, the last week or two that God has, and we talked about how God has created time for us. And as part of the timeline that he created, it is an ability for us then to get revelation of his character and his nature over the course of time, because we can't handle outside of time, all of his character, all at once, all the time. But over the course of time, being a creation, his prize creation, we then get revelation over time. Even in eternity, there's an element of time that he keeps trickling out his character, keeps trickling out his character in places that we can understand it and receive it. So he's created time for us. That's part of the salvation of the soul. It's a process of time. Which is a blessing for us. So what he showed me was, Todd, I've given you a timeline. You need to guard it and tend to it. You have to protect it. You've been letting it. Get in. You've, you've been letting others and, and, and things around you sabotage your timeline. You've seen it, I've given you the ability to see now. I've seen. You can see where it's getting shifted. You can see where these things are attacking it, but you don't understand that you actually have been given the authority to tend to it and guard it. So I put that in motion this week in my life, and wow, some things happened really really quick. It's like, no, this is what God told me. I'm standing protecting it. And I'm going to start feeding it and tend to it and pray into it. So our timeline in terms of what God wants us to do, where he's going and how fast he wants to get us there and the journey that we're taking there. Don't just give in and think, ah, okay, this was God's will that I take this detour in my life over here. And I tried to do what's best, but you know, I got derailed and this is what happened in my family. This is what happened in my work. This is what happened over here. No, protect it and guard it. And declare it to be so. And I did that personally, and wow, what a difference it made! Instantly, and in a few days, boom, 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 things started to happen. So I share that concept with you guys to to receive, to meditate on, to say law, protect your timeline, tend to it, and guard it. a couple thoughts. Isaiah 59, that's where we're going to be today. And Isaiah 59 is the last chapter yeah. before he gets into the glory, the full glory to be revealed, starting in chapter 60 and then going on all the way to 66. So keep in mind that there is a building process that we've gone through with Isaiah, that he's laid out a building process. We are building a house. We're building a house uh, of living stones, since we're right in the middle of that study with Dan, uh, individually, collectively, uh, nationally, worldwide, all of creation, the whole house. I mean, there's many houses within houses. We're building a house. So Zion was to participate in earth's marriage and birth children or cities into the earth starting with Jerusalem, but it didn't happen. Mankind, uh, we were supposed to participate in the birth, even after the fall, and we failed. And then Isaiah laid out, we traded ourselves and our assignments for nothing. Speaking of guarding and protecting, (laughs) our assignment we traded, and we even traded ourselves for nothing, and we went through all of that in Isaiah 52. Isaiah 53 Yeshua fulfilled all of the legal obligations to redeem and purchase us back from all the terrible transactions that we've made. And we need to change our mindset. This is all part of Isaiah 54 now. We need to change our mindset of being victims, being worthless, not capable, not loved, to being washed, redeemed, Renewed, free, and really the praise of his glory, his prized, precious creation. So with a free and holy mindset, Yahweh wants to manifest his glory through us onto the earth. And he wants to do it like he was doing at Mount Sinai when he wanted to pour out his, all of his glory to the entire people. But they refused. So he's looking for a people that wants to draw near in the latter reign. So Isaiah has been building a case of do you want to be the general population within the kingdom of God? He's going beyond that. So this is why this is more meat and not milk. This is not just a pure salvation message. This is for those to set up and prepare who want to draw near to his manifest glory, like Moses, draw near to the manifest glory. So this is preparation for the latter day rain outpouring. So for those of you that wanna draw near, we need to be clean, we need to be participating vessels. Isaiah mentioned, keep the Sabbath, that's critical. Isaiah discussed proper fasting. Isaiah discussed the proper fasting leads to loving one another. This is his whole plan to not only redeem us, redeem Zion, redeem the earth, and then connect everything in Messiah through us. And that's why Messiah came as mankind. He's connecting all of this through us, through him. So today, we're gonna discuss even more details of how he's gonna connect heaven and earth and it's a setup right before then Isaiah launches into Isaiah 60 with his glory. So I'm glad we had some really good testimonies to start off with because Isaiah 59 doesn't start off necessarily with a good testimony. Um if we're feeling good about ourselves right now and we're thinking that we're walking in righteousness, Isaiah is going to get raw right from the beginning. If we meditate on this chapter, it feels like we're going to get beat with a hammer, but it's really a digging out of more things in our heart and the reality of the human condition, which to me, the more we get into the reality of the human condition in our own hearts, the more I know he loves me, so therefore the more I love back. So have that mindset. It's going to feel like a pounding, but this is a good – this is hard meat because as you get more forgiveness and you understand how much he brought us and saved us, we love him even more. So that's the setup. Why man? Why is man the center of all this? Humanity is the creation that is nearest to his heart, but also I think, and I was medita- as I was meditating on Isaiah, the farthest away in its fallen state, almost like as far as, Satan has fallen. Mankind is like that far. I think we've fallen farther than the trees and the animals and the birds and the fowl and the stars and everything else. The elementals, everything hasn't fallen as far as mankind, except for Satan and his minions. I was kind of meditating, whoa, that's how far off we fell. But that's also then how much closer. He is going to draw us to. So here we go with Isaiah 59. I should turn there first. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, Yahweh's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear i'm gonna stop there (laughs) because he is getting at what's inherently the problem unbelief he just walked us through this whole building process of those that are going to draw to his glory and isaiah is is doing this in a in a beautiful way where he reminds us of where we're going and then he reminds us where we are and then he'll occasionally remind us where we've been and then he reminds us again Well, don't worry about where you've been because this is where he's going to take us and oh by the way yeah you really screwed up but how glorious is god's love for you so he goes in and out and in and out and he's about to do this here So he goes right to the root of this. It's almost like the last chapter before he's going to show us uh, God's glory and God's plans in the future. And he says, by the way, this is the root of everything. You don't believe that God can save you. You don't believe that God has the power to change your condition. His hand is too short. And we talked about his hand and his arm reaching from third heaven, down through the second heaven, into the first heaven, onto the earth. And unbelief is saying, no, 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 you can't do that. Eh, Unbelief is, eh, you can't save me. And it's not that I don't think he has the power, but mainly, it's I don't think he's willing to, because why didn't he do it so far? Why am I still in this place? So yeah, I believe that he's all powerful, but not with me. He chose not to. That's the root of unbelief. And if it goes all the way back to the garden, did God really say you're not supposed to eat of the fruit? There's the lie and then the unbelief. It was the core sin of Israel in the wilderness. They're wandering around, wandering around. And in Hebrews 13, uh, Hebrews 3, turn to Hebrews 3, that was the core sin of Israel in the wilderness. It wasn't that they were complainers. Yep, they were complainers. It wasn't that they were stiff-necked. Yep, they were stiff-necked. They were a whole bunch of things that were no good. But the, the core of it, Hebrews chapter 3, and the whole chapter talks about this. But verse 19 kind of summarizes it. Hebrews 3, 19. So we can see that they could not enter. And not enter is not only into the promised land, it's also symbolic of the kingdom. They could not enter because of unbelief. That's the issue. So Isaiah is saying, before you really draw near in the latter rain, let's get out the last root of unbelief in your heart. Because that's the core to it. Hebrews chapter 4 is a continuation of this whole concept of unbelief and tying it into the Sabbath, which is a spiritual Sabbath. So Isaiah and and the author of Hebrews are really in sync here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. So you got the unbelief does not enter into the rest. The believers enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, there's wrath toward the unbelievers and those that, don't have, that have unbelief in their hearts. If they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, so the rest has always been there. The Sabbath has always been there. For he, sp- he spoke in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise and God did rest from the seventh day, all his works. Wow. So Isaiah is tying unbelief, and we saw this last, last time with the Sabbath, unbelief to the Sabbath. The author of Hebrews is tying unbelief to the Sabbath, meaning those that truly are in a place of believing are actually going to keep the Sabbath. Wow. Again, he's trying to, he's getting raw. You got to keep digging that stuff out. did God really say to keep the Sabbath? That's what he's getting at. It is it's like a grain of mustard seed of faith. Take the step of faith to do this. This is not about salvation. this is about drawing near. I, I, I was in a Bible study with my wife earlier this week and there was a I started to I started to hit the gas and upshift a little bit, gear one, gear two, gear three. And I realized that eh, they, I was losing them because someone came back and said, well, isn't just as a timeout. Everything that you're saying, it doesn't make, it's, it's irrelevant. It's all about uh, hanging out with God. And I said, absolutely. That is my favorite place too. And then out of that, there's more layers. And this is the same thing. Obeying the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath, is another layer to the simplicity of the gospel, which is that he died and saved us, and that it was relationship. So, again, we're layers. You want to draw near? Start doing more things, meaning become more holy. Be holy as he is holy. So that's what Isaiah is getting at. This unbelief is actually tied to the Sabbath. They go one, hand in hand. Um, First John 5, 3. This is not about works. That's not what Isaiah is saying. This is about belief and an obedience. First John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Now the contrast of this is in Matthew. Turn to Matthew. So God's grievous is, our, our, our commandments are not grievous. Now turn this to Matthew chapter twenty-three, verse five. Verse five, verse four, talking about the Pharisees and the scribes. The twenty-three Matthew twenty-three verse four. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. God's commandment of keeping the Sabbath is not grievous. It's actually a blessing. Man's commandments are burdensome and grievous. And that's, that's the religious spirit. All the do's and the don'ts. All right, so let's kind of separate that out a little bit. Another thing that's happening here, back to Isaiah 59. We don't think his hands can reach us, and we don't think his, his ear is hearing us. And part of what we've been learning, again, this is, this is more meat, is our works, which come from our love for him, are the qualifier to receive judgment because his throne, we talked about this, his throne is based on justice and judgment. Justice is the same word as righteousness. So we do what's righteous and judgment follows. They go hand in hand. Most people are crying out for judgment, even in the natural, in the earth right now. what's the qualifier to get judgment? Do justice. They're tied hand to hand. Isaiah 59, 14, um, we see this, We'll, we'll get there eventually, but you can see this in Isaiah 59, 14. And judgment is turned backwards. And justice or righteousness is far away because truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So you have righteousness is far away and therefore judgment goes backwards and then it manifests as there's no truth and by the way you want equity there's no equity it starts with doing what's right obeying his commandments so if we want to point any fingers of why there's not judgment righteous judgment on the earth we start here we start at home we start with us that, this is what i mean by isaiah just getting raw um Yahweh's hand. I think he also does. Isaiah is also going back to this first mention, uh, more just doing this uh, weaving so much together. So the first mention of hand is Genesis three twenty two, and we tap, we tapped in on this when uh, there was uh, another reference in Isaiah. So let's go back to Genesis three twenty two, and here's Adam and Eve in the garden. They disobey, they get kicked out, Genesis 3.22. And Yahuwah Elohim says, behold, man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put his hand and take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So we're in the place where Isaiah is saying, here's what the problem is. It's the core of its unbelief. And he correlates God's hand with the first mention of hand, which is man's hand trying to reach to God. And Isaiah is saying, no, 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 no. It's not man's hand reaching God. It's God's hand reaching man. So as much as he talks about, yes, obey his commandment, but understand it's God that reaches to you, not us reaching to God. So when he starts to reach to you, it's actually you're putting your position, yourself in a position on the Sabbath, of letting him, receiving his reach. That's a mindset shift. Don't try to reach out to God. Meditate and be in a place to receive him reaching to you. His commandments are not grievous. He's reaching to us. Man's commandments are burdensome and grievous. We're trying to reach to him. Isaiah's tying that word of hand back together. There's also a hint of this that Isaiah's getting at. of, I, You don't think God can hear you. Um, Exodus chapter 3. He's tying this back to the first Exodus because he's going to lead us into the second Exodus is what Isaiah is getting at. Isaiah chapter 3. Verse seven and eight, verses seven and eight. And Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow, and I am come down to deliver, there's the deliverer, deliver out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up Out of that land into a good land, also called the Sabbath in Hebrews, and a large, uh, and a large, and unto a land flowing with milk and honey into the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites, Jebusites. So you got God hearing their cries. Now, were they in a place of purely doing righteousness? No, they forgot him. So here's the unbelief piece that Isaiah is getting at. You guys think you can't be heard? You think his ear is too heavy for your cries? He heard them when they didn't even know him. They were just complaining. God, help us. This is a generation that's far apart from Joseph, far apart from Jacob and Abraham. We don't even know. We just know we're under stress. Help. And he could hear it. Isaiah saying to us, "Really, you don't think God is hearing you?" Let's keep going. Isaiah fifty-nine verse two. I I know this might seem like, "Oh, well, okay." I'm, I know I, I believe. No, Isaiah wants to get it all out, and we're going to keep going. Because he's going to keep digging and digging and digging. Isaiah 59, verse 2. So his hand's not shortened, his ear's not heavy, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your Elohim. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. He lays it out on us. He lays it out on us. It's it's our issue. It's humanity's issue. It's not God's issue. It's not God's issue that he has not become manifest on the earth. It's humanity's issue. It's not creation's issue. Creation is waiting, groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because it's our iniquities that have separated us. And it's our sins that have hid his face. Why would he hide his face, being in a, be, with us, being in a sinful nature? Because his face is his character; it's his glory. If his face shone upon a sinful generation, they would die. So he hides it mercifully, and he says, "Come, draw near." But in order to draw near, you have to be holy then I can start to reveal more of my face. So Isaiah is saying, you're crying out for justice. You're crying out for judgment. You're crying out for his face. And you think that he's hiding it on purpose. No, it's because of you. And I'm laying out the steps for you to get to that place of the latter rain when he comes back and manifests himself. That's why it's me. So any distance, between us and God is because of us. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. Back to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content. With such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Genesis twenty-eight, 15. We're going to go through a bunch of these scriptures to, to build up faith. Genesis. So, tear down. It's because of you. It's because of your unbelief. Now, let's build up. Genesis 28. Verse 15. And behold, speaking to Jacob, and this is Jacob who still doesn't really know God at this point in time. Behold, I am with you and will guard you. Keep you, guard you is the same word. Just like we're supposed to guard timelines, guard our hearts, guard the garden. Guard you in all places where you go and will bring you again into this land for I will not leave you until I have done which I have spoken to you. God's spoken to you about something, he's not gonna leave you. Psalm 37. Verse 25, I love this verse. This is, this is to me like a, 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 a lifeline verse when you feel like you're overboard. And you're in the water drowning. I have been young. Psalm 37 verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous or the just, justice, righteous, forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. He is ever merciful and lends. His seed is blessed. And God is not a man that he should like. So the blockage indicates what is critical for us to seek, and that is we need to seek his face and his voice. What, what a time to, to go back to Second Chronicles 7.14. I mean, this is what so many people are hanging on to right now in prayer circles. And you guys all know this verse, but let's take a look at it in this context. So Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. That's the first thing that has to happen. So a lot of Christianity takes this verse and they start seeking help. They start seeking judgment. And Isaiah is laying out really the mechanics behind this. First, humble yourselves in a position of you're the cause of God being apart from mankind. You're the cause of him hiding his face and holding back his arm. Now, seek his face. Are Christians seeking his face? No, they're crying out for judgment right away. No, no, no. First, you have to seek his face. Turn from their wicked ways. Repent, repent, repent. Then I will hear. Hear the tie in Isaiah? Unbelief is that his hand is shortened and he doesn't hear. And because of that, his face is hidden. It ties back to this. Then he will hear and will forgive and will heal the land. We have to be in a position to seek his face. How do you seek his face? Well, there's more to do. You just can't walk up and, show up and seek your face. Seek his face. You have to start obeying his commandments. You need to start being righteous. He's not going to reveal his face to an unrighteous, sinful people. He's not going to do it out of mercy, lest we perish. So there's a lot more to this. Oh, just seek his face, and he's going to heal the land. Uh, 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 uh. This is a process for God's people to go through. So we've gotten this one wrong. Second Chronicles 7.14. There's so many more mechanics to this. Be holy as I am holy. So the blockage is on us. Uh, Psalm 24. We want to be a people that draws near. And in order to draw near, we have to get beyond. God forgave us of our sins and we're all good to go. Psalm 24. Don't worry. Eventually, he will give us hope here (laughs) later in the chapter. I told you it's going to feel like a hammer, 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 hammer. Psalm 24, verse 6. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek your face. Now, backing up, I have this posted on, uh, for those of you that do business LinkedIn, so this is uh, the verse that I have posted on LinkedIn. is Psalm 24, verse one, or verse three, I'm sorry, Psalm 24, verse three and four. Who shall ascend into the hill of Yahuwah? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands, and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul in vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Because that's the generation that seeks his face. You can't just show up and seek his face. It doesn't happen that way. Psalm 27. These psalms in the middle in the 20s are all, are all kind of the same flow. It's really seeking the space and intimacy. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 8. <clears throat> back, Let's back up to verse 7. I see that. That goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. Hear, O Yahuwah, when I cry. Hear the language similarities. Cry here with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said... Seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Yahuwah, will I seek. This is the true place of worship. Seek his face. Yearn to to draw near to his face. Imagine trying to grab his face and pull it close to your face, face to face. That's why Moses was said to be a friend of God, and God spoke to him face to face. Because Moses was obedient in the commandments and he drew near. That's the face to face piece. So, for those of us that want to go face to face with God, we have to draw near, be holy as I am holy. Moses was the most humble man on the earth and he just kept being obedient, obedient, obedient. Face to face, that's our desire. Let's go back to Isaiah 59. Verse three, for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. So now he's saying it's on us in verse two. It's because of our iniquities and our sins. His face is hidden. Now he's going to get into the details of how this has happened. How sin and iniquity have made manifest. And he says two things. It's because of defiling of blood and lies. Really? Isaiah, that, that, that's, that's the root of our sin and iniquities that have hid, our, hid God's face from us? Yeah. Um, the definition of lies. Hebrews 82.67. Uh, shekur and Sheen Kuf Resh, Hebrews uh, and, uh, um, Strong's 8267, that's the definition of lies, Shakur. It means to eat or press against the life or timeline of man's head. A lie eats or presses against the timeline of our heads. And I just talked about timelines. You want to get your timeline derailed? Throw in some lies. You want to let your timeline derailed? Allow others to throw into lies. So now there's, so you get a word from God. Boom, the timeline is happening. And then all of a sudden, unbelief is sown. It screws up your timeline. That's the definition of a lie, that there's eating and pressing. And of your timeline on your head James said it in a different way, really simple. Guys, if you don't get it, he said there's power in the tongue for life and death. Either you're going to get eaten in your head and everything of God's plans, your assignment, your scroll, everything gets eaten up, or you're going to breathe life into it with truth. That's definition of lies. Uh, Take a look at how prevalent now lies are tied in this whole chapter. So we mention lies in Isaiah 59, verse 3. It's also in verse 4. Uh, there's speak lies right in the middle. Uh, it's also in verse 13. In verse 14, talks about truth. The last, fruit, uh, last verse in Isaiah 59, 21 is about the true word. So there is a weaving of this message of lies all throughout this chapter. And of course, it goes back to the garden. Did God really say? Did God really say? What we're going to see is in verses 5 through 8 in Isaiah uh, 59 is the fruit of the lies and what we allow in. Again, guarding and tending to our hearts and to our timelines. So lies. So I'm going to put lies on that side. And now let's talk about, Defiling, defiling, defiling with blood, ties to the land. First mention of defiling. This is going to take us down a bunny trail here. I Genesis 34. This is going to open some stuff up. Lies and defiling. Lies, defiling. Defiling has to do with uncleanliness. And unclean doesn't mean didn't shower. I'm not against the French. Unclean means unholy. By the way, I'm going and camping for the next week, and I will be very unclean (laughs) for a week. Genesis 34. Genesis 34, uh, we're not going to talk through this or read through this. This whole chapter is about Jacob's daughter, Dinah. We, we know all the names of Jacob's sons. We don't know the names of Jacob's daughters. I mean, really? Did he have 12 sons and one daughter? Of course not. He probably had at least 12 daughters, if not more or less by a couple, but he didn't have one daughter, but one daughter is mentioned by name, and it is her being defiled. Wow, that's terrible. So the first mention of being defiled is Jacob's daughter. Now we know Jacob's sons carried the birthright. Joseph carried the birthright into the earth and into the heavens. But what about the role of Jacob's daughters? We don't really hear that much about it because here we have Dinah or Dinah being defiled. Genesis 6, 2. This is going to give us a clue, and you guys all know this. Remember Isaiah, lies and defiling with blood. Genesis 6, 2. Now the sons of God, the angels, saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them as wise, as they chose. They were defiled. Doesn't say it, the words not used there, but they were defiled. Stay, stay with me and start, as we start connecting this.
1: Sons,
0: so let's take Jacob, he's Israel. Sons were given the birthright and the priesthood. So the birthright and the priesthood, you got Levi and Joseph's kids. Birthright and priesthood. This is connection to heaven as priests. Sons, you're connected to heaven. He played it out uh, under the law as the Levitical priesthood. He played it out under the Aaronic priesthood. They were males. But now follow this. Daughters are tied to the blessing and the connection to earth. Even the New Age and the cult says Mother Earth. Dina was tied to the multiplication of Israel. Sarah was tied to the multiplication of Israel. That's why she was barren and had to then bring forth the blessing. Rachel was tied to being barren and then the blessing as she brought forth. This is a whole new understanding now of when Paul's saying you will be saved in childbirth, it's because the men are supposed to, carry the birthright to heaven, the women are supposed to carry the blessing onto the earth. Hence, when a man and a woman get married and become one, you tie heaven to earth. Genesis 4.10. Cain and Abel. God said to Cain, what have you done? The poise of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. So we have a tie of the blood to the ground. Numbers 35. Verse 33. Remember we talked about Second Chronicles 7, 14, seek his face. And then at the end of that verse, it's, I will heal your land. Numbers 35, verse 33. So you shall not pollute the land wherein you are, for blood defiles the land. And the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. Blood defiles the land. <sighs> Abortion. An aborted child comes from the mother. It is a child's sacrifice to the enemy and the blood goes into the land and is defiled. Hence, the earth mourns and cries out. Women are to bless, release, flow the blessings into the earth. Men You are supposed to be priests and have the birthright into the heavens. Now, I'm saying this as a generalization. Clearly, women are also priests and men also bless the earth. Just like women are sons and men are brides. Layers. Again, let's not be simple and be just drinking milk. This is layers. This is complex. This is meat. There is a principle here that Isaiah is getting to, that God is woven into his word. This is why I want the men and the women to marry one another and connect heaven to earth. Yes, you can do it individually. Yes, you can do it with me, because you're all sons. You're all priests. However, there is even more power when the priesthood with the birthright and the blessing into the earth is connected, and you've defiled both. So what does Satan do? Satan flips it around. We look at the body of Christ. Who are the spiritual rocks of the body of Christ? By far in number, it's the women. Where are men's mindsets? Men's mindsets are in the earth. I'm laboring. I'm working. I love sports. I love this. It's in the earth. Women's mindsets in the body are more in the heavens. I'm not saying that that's wrong. Again, hear me out my layers. It's that the, the order has been flipped by Satan. And Isaiah is saying, you guys want to draw near. You guys want the latter rain. You got to get this thing right. It's all out of order. Zion was supposed to be birthed into Jerusalem, into the earth, through Jerusalem. Didn't happen. Jerusalem was defiled because of the bloodshed. It then had offsprings of the daughters of Jerusalem, which have nothing to do with Zion. And it was a defilement of the blood, which means the earth is in this state that Don said the whole earth is just bleh. That's why. And hence, Isaiah talks about the waste cities. These are all cities that are defiled by blood. And the only person that can redeem is the one that shed the blood. (laughs) Ha-ha! Yeshua shed the blood. (laughs) All right, let's keep going. Isaiah 59 again. Verse four. So because of this, now God's face is hid, his ears do not hear. Even though we also know, again, it's layers, he'll always hear the cry of a humble. But we're talking about those that draw near. There's a drawing near piece. Thank you, Father. None. So Isaiah 59, verse 4. None calls for justice or righteousness, nor any pleads for truth. They trust in vanity. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. You know what this sounds like to me? It sounds like Satan. No one's calling for justice or pleading for truth. Here's Satan. Satan. He trusts in vanity, trusts in himself. I, I will send myself. I will sit on the throne of the most high. I will put my kingdom in the north. Uh, Speaks lies, father of all lies. Conceives mischief all the time and brings forth iniquity. Sounds like Satan. So we're about to get into a transition then. So we just went through the verses that are the setup of what's going on with us. Now we're going to get into, there's this transition that he's taking place that's really subtle, but we'll catch it now. And we should, it's almost like Isaiah saying, okay, now I'm inserting something here. It should remind you of Isaiah 14, which I already wrote down to you. That was the description of Satan, the I, I, I guy. And you should be reminded of, he's the one you sold yourselves to for nothing and it remind, and I'm reminding you, Isaiah 53, that Yeshua redeemed you for all of those terrible transactions. Because now here's what's happening. Now watch this, verse five, Isaiah 59:5. They, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened to you? Because Isaiah's talking about you, meaning us. Now he says, they, they hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He it eats the eggs, so not different. They hatch the eggs. We eat the eggs. Dies. And that which is crushed breaks out into as a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of it. Notice there's a there and then there's a, there's a us. <clears throat> and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Verse 8, the way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whoever goes in shall not know peace. So there was a transition that took place. Because Isaiah was subtly saying in verse 4, oh, guys, remember Isaiah chapter 14 when I told you about Satan? Now, here we go. Five through eight is the enemy. Because of mankind, your lies and your defilement, you have now opened yourself up to Satan and the minions. They are the ones that bring forth the cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. And if you eat the eggs, you participate in their mischief and their lies and their iniquity, you die. And if you try to crush it apart from Messiah, then you're gonna get a snake coming at you. And by the way, their webs I'm not going to allow those that draw near, they're not going to be your garments. I'm not going to allow it. So there's this back and forth that Isaiah is getting at of what's really happening now, attacking our hearts, attacking the timeline, attacking the earth, and it all has to do with our sin and iniquity. It has to do with our lies and our defiling of blood. So what if we reversed it? What if we spoke truth? What if we applied the blood of Yeshua into the blood that's been defiled? And isn't that what happened? Yeshua's blood went into the earth. (laughs) He redeemed the heaven, he redeemed the earth. Brothers and sisters, Be gates, and the king of glory shall come in. I've given you all power to connect heaven and earth now again. This is the setup for the latter rain. we got to understand this. This is the setup. Um, Verse 9 makes me think um, uh, about something else. Now, therefore, is judgment far from us because of all these things that are happening? So we don't get judgment because we haven't done justice, and because we didn't do justice or righteousness, it opened up to Satan and his minions to have havoc. Therefore, is judgment far from us? Neither does justice or righteousness overtake us. We're actually supposed to be overtaken with righteousness. We wait for light but behold obscurity for brightness we wait for brightness also but we walk in darkness this makes me think of all again this is this is raw these are the people that are drawing near the people that are not drawing near they don't even understand they're not being heard they don't understand why they're not receiving light. They don't even know the state that they're in. How do I know that? Verse 10. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. So imagine... Complete blackness. No light. You can't see anything. And you got your hands against the wall. It's a prison. This is describing a spiritual prison. There's no light. There's no doors. There's no windows. This is the description of the captives. Because remember, Isaiah 61.1 is going to talk about setting the captives free. Here are the captives. They're eating spiders' eggs. They're in spiders' webs. There's mischief all around them. Nothing but lies and iniquities. And they are in this dark, dark place. They can't find themselves out. There's no way out. Verse 11, we all roar like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. Or salvation, but it is far from us. This is a groaning, a crying out, and he's not hearing because of everything that Isaiah is laying out. Verse 12, for our transgressions are multiplied before you. Now they're starting a transition. The transition is a realization. It's us, our transgressions. Most people are walking around thinking God is the issue. I mean, don't you get into these religious debates all the time? Well, if there was a God, why is there so much death? If there is a God, why is there so much injustice? Literally, they are in prison and they're groping about looking for a window. And this is a salvation issue for us, too, looking at them and how God sees them. We, I, I'm speaking for myself. It can be frustrating knowing they have a stumbling block before them and they cannot see and cannot hear. And I'm in a place where I am in the open. I'm in the light. I have windows and doors all over. I can go to heaven. I can go all over the timelines and dimensions and realms. And I'm looking at them in this, this, this container of darkness. And I'm yelling at them and screaming at them, hey, come out. And they can't see. They don't even know they're in this container of darkness. So God help us have more compassion on them to see that they are in this place and they're groping around looking and I'm not offering a door or window. So there's a transition here in 12. It's our transgressions that are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us and our iniquities, we know them. So a quick recap on there's three words there and Dan's uh, covered this in the past, but for those of you that, uh, that don't remember, a uh, quick recap on sin, iniquity, and transgression. Sin uh, is kata, uh, and that's, that's a word. The first mention of that, and we'll go to the first mention because that will give us the definition of sin. Genesis 4. <clears throat> that will help us with definitions. So this is just a quick recap for those of you that know, hang in there. Since this particular verse has all three of those words all at once. Uh, Genesis 4, 7. Speaking uh, to Cain, God speaking to Cain. If you do well, you shall not be accepted. Question. And if you do not well, sin shall lies at the door, and unto you shall his desire be, and you shall rule over him. So sin, the definition is basically missing the mark or being off. What God was saying to Cain that ties back to this whole passage in Isaiah 59 about defiling the land with blood is, Cain, if you hate your brother Abel, and you go forth with the things that are in your heart, you have now opened the door into the earth for the defiling of blood. And now, that whole thing of defiling the land with blood is going to go through the generations. It will be a continuous mark. Continuous, I'm sorry, continuous missing the mark. That's sin. Iniquity, Avon, um, first mentioned, stay in Genesis, Genesis 4. Also here, uh, verse 13. And Cain said to Yahweh, "My punishment is the King James. My punishment is greater than I can bear. The word punishment is the same word iniquity." And that actually helps us define what iniquity is. So sin is a missing of the mark. Iniquity now is the result or the judgment of the sin now into his generations. So now it's in the blood. Sin missed the mark. The door was open. Sin comes in. Now iniquity is through the generations. Transgression. Uh, Peshaw. First mentioned, Genesis 31. 31, verse 36. So this is Laban and Jacob is the setup. And Jacob was angry and chided with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, where is my transgression? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued after me? So what Jacob is saying, so transgression also ties back to, again, genealogy, Jacob, Israel, Uh, transgression is disobedience. So Jacob's saying, Laban, did I do anything disobedient to you? So transgression, disobedience. Sin, missing the mark. We've all missed the mark. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Iniquity, into the bloodline, generational things. Three different things. So I just wanted to mention that back to Isaiah 59 since it was a chance to recap that for some folks. And Yeshua cleaned it all. (laughs) <laughs> That's part of the beauty of it, but there are differences to those things. Verse thirteen, Isaiah fifty nine thirteen. Back to lying. In transgressing, which is disobedience, disobeying the Sabbath, disobeying other things, and lying Against Yahuwah. And departing away from our God. Remember, he never left us or forsake us. We do. We leave him and forsake him. Speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And judgment is turned away backwards. And justice stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. The world is looking for equity right now. They will never find it. There. You're only going to find equity when justice and judgment come from the throne. And you only do that by repentance and seeking his face. It's his throne, it's presence, it goes back to Mount Sinai. It goes back to Shavuot. It goes back to Pentecost. When he came down in Pentecost on Mount Sinai and poured out his presence and said, draw near, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. And they said no. So he did it anyway in Acts chapter 2. And he's going to do it again in the latter days. So if you really want equity, do justice or do righteousness and speak truth. That's how we get equity. That's how we get judgment. God has mechanisms and mechanics in the spirit. Peter mentioned uh, Dan's thought process in setting and writing the books. And Dan describes himself as a uh, scientist, as a scientist. It correlates how God has set up everything in creation, spirit and natural. There are mechanics set up that we need to learn. If you want to draw near, there are mechanics here. Do what's right, moment by moment, day by day. I've mentioned this to you guys in the past. One of my favorite books outside of the Bible is a compilation of writings by Brother Lawrence called The Practice of the Presence of God. And it's a practice. It's a great way to get your mindset and to start to understand how to meditate. So for me to draw near to God, I pray. I read. I speak in tongues. I fast. I Meditate. Meditate. I don't meditate and and do the meditations of the occult and the chance and those things. They, they understand there's power in meditation. Meditation is we meditate on God's word day and night. Meditation is I meditate on his character. Meditation is I meditate on His face. So this this conversation that brother Lawrence, these books that are compiled, these letters that are compiled in this book is I have, if I have a thought that's not of God, I remove it and I replace it with God. It is purposeful practice to meditate, to still your mind, and to meditate on God. And it's the same thing that he's saying here. You want to practice justice. Practice speaking truth. So we need to meditate on those things. If we have something that is not true, we remove it with truth. His commandments are not grievous. Just keep practicing. We're practicing being holy. Anything that we want to do in the natural, we need to practice. We think, ah, but the spirit, ah, we'll just go about spiritual things. No, no, you have to practice in the spirit. You don't just get revelation all the time. God will give you, impose upon you revelation, but you can actually practice receiving revelation by putting your heart in a place of meditation to receive, to receive, to receive, to receive. We look at people that hear God's voice. Wow, I wish I could hear God's voice like that person, like him or her. We don't understand they practice hearing his voice. We got to practice now because the game is about to be on and we can't just show up when God comes down and manifests his glory and say, here I am. <laughs> no, he's saying now I gave you my word to be ready. It's the ten, 10 virgins hanging out. They all know the bridegroom's coming. They all have oil, but some of them are practicing with the oil so that the oil is always in their lamps. The others kind of, eh, I got the oil. I know what the oil is. I know what the bridegroom is. When it happens, it happens. And they just try to show up. It's too late. It's too late. Um, Name of the book. Practice of the Presence of God. Brother Lawrence. So i know i did a lot of beating up today but that's what isaiah was doing now we get to start to transition here's the good news verse 15 here's isaiah's transition by the holy spirit isaiah 59 15 yes truth fails because we didn't do it truth has failed And there's a little hint there's some people here in this whole chapter that are doing something different he that departs from evil has made himself a prey what he's saying is there's actually a group of people there's a remnant that know this is of the enemy this is not of god and how do they know Because they still have eyes to see and ears to hear. They still are practicing his commandments. And by practicing his commandments, they know what's not his commandments, what's evil. So they're trying to get away, and they're the ones now being attacked. They're the ones that are in isolation. They're the ones that are unique. And Yahuwah saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment There was no judgment for those that were trying with a humble heart and a contrite spirit. So here's the transition. Verse 16. And he saw that there was no man. Hebrew word there is ish. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him. And his righteousness sustained him. He had to bring in his righteousness because no one was doing righteousness to get the judgment. So if he comes in with the righteousness, then he can release the judgment because they go hand in hand. So there's no ish, ish, the Hebrew word. That's uh, Strong's three six seven six. It's, it's a male or a husband. Or check this out land that's not wed so the land could not receive judgment the man that was supposed to do it wasn't there and he's saying there's no man there's no citizen of zion onto the earth to represent me man was created to of the earth and he was created of the heavens and no one is manifesting Zion on the earth. There's no deliverer. There's no Noah-like person to, to get us from, from, save us from the flood. There's no Moses to save us from bondage. Why? Because this is a different task. This is a task that if I sent Noah in this time, if I sent Moses in this time, they couldn't do it either. This is a task to go after sin, transgression, and iniquity. It is to go after the defiling of the land. It is to go after all the lies. It's to save all of mankind and all of mankind's woes and of the dominion that's under them because all of the things that are under the dominion of mankind have been defiled. Moses can't do it. Noah can't do it. I gotta do it. That's what he does. So Yahweh's people were protected or almost hidden. I mean, you read through Isaiah 59 and think, okay, where's God's people? There's mess, 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 mess. And now they're being beat up by the enemy and they're in prison. They're in cages. Um, What? He that departs from evil makes himself a prey. I mean, we have to really kind of squint to see that. It's almost as if they're hidden or protected, but that's what God always did. He took a remnant and protected them and hid them He protected them and hid them in the ark. I believe he actually protected them and hid them in bondage in Egypt so that they would grow and multiply because the last time he planted his seed into Adam and Eve, it almost got wiped out by the enemy in Genesis 6. So this time when he plants his seed into Abraham and into Jacob, he hides them in Egypt under the the guise of slavery where they wouldn't get completely wiped out. They would actually grow and multiply. Elijah crying out, Oh God, why, have I, why, have, why am I the only one left? So he's hiding in the cave. God calls Elijah, uh, Elijah, Elijah, no, I got 7,000 others that have not bowed their knee to Baal. They have, they have departed from evil. I've hid them, I've protected them. So I'm saying to you guys, this is us. We've been hidden, we've been protected. The enemy doesn't know the full glory that God's about to release through us. He's protected. Yes, the enemy has hints in the spirit, but just like the enemy can put a stumbling block before our eyes so that we have eyes and cannot see, God has put his own stumbling block before Satan's eyes that, yes, he can see a little bit, he can't see what's about to happen. He can't see the glory that's going to be revealed in us. God has hid us under the shadow of His wings. <clears throat> when Dan did his study on stars, and before he did the study, um, I remember having a conversation with him. But I said, "I want you to see your star." I'm like, "Okay." And he prayed for me for a release. And what I saw, I was very confused at. I saw a bunch of stars, but they were all covered in darkness. And I was thinking, oh, this is not good. Hmm." (laughs) What's going on? Aren't stars supposed to be bright? And then the opposite of stars are black holes. That's probably not good. What's going on? What's going on? And how come I see a few of them? And they're like kind of all covered with darkness. I wasn't sure exactly what to say to Dan, so I'm, I'm meditating on this, and he keeps going, and I see this movement. <clears throat> I see all these things happening, and the stars, it's like several stars, not several, many stars covered in darkness, and then it comes over the earth. I mean, it's bigger than the earth. And then God said, that is my darkness covering you. And then all of a sudden, I realized, Mount Sinai, he comes down in the darkness. Abraham has the sacrifices and the covenants about to be released. And a darkness covers Abraham over and over and over again. God has hid himself in darkness. And I'm sharing this with you guys because he has hidden us in his darkness just like he has hid his face to mankind in a merciful manner, because when that's going to be revealed, when the glory of him being through us is revealed, it will be so devastating. It will actually shock and destroy many things in front of us. That's why it describes there will be a devouring fire before them in the book of Joel, Joel chapter two, Jacob will be a flame of fire. Eden will be like before them and devastation after them. We read last time in Isaiah 59 that our glory will actually precede us as God is our rear guard and going through us. So God's got us hidden. So there is no man to pull this off. Also, Yeshua had to do it himself it's his arm stretched from third heaven to earth Isaiah 59 verse 17 for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. He comes in a really unique manner to save us. And notice his armor that he puts on. He starts off by putting the breastplate on because he's our priest. He's the go-between between God hiding his face in us, the go-between between between God's ears not being able to hear us and our cries. So the breastplate is the breastplate of the the high priest. He first makes the connection. The connection is also of righteousness. Justice. Because in order to execute judgment, he has to come in his righteousness. I was not expecting this. Not expecting this at all. But I'm seeing so much right now, struggling to articulate it. So the breastplate of the high priest is a breastplate of righteousness because there was none that were righteous. Righteous. And he can't bring judgment unless there's righteousness. So he had to bring the righteousness, and he does it as a priest. <clears throat> he then puts on a helmet. Why would a priest have a helmet on? Because it's a helmet that is tied to his being the commander of the armies. Yahweh is both. It's a helmet of war. And he puts on this helmet of salvation so that our heads would begin to receive his word. Because the head is where we can't see and we can't hear. So to begin the process of our hearts starting to turn, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Yahuwah, He places his mind onto our heads as a man of war because the word says in Matthew 10, that the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. So he comes as priest and then he comes as a violent commander. And it has to start with our ears and our eyes. So he's representing this violent commander to open up our minds with the plan of salvation. And because of everything that he has seen, everything that he's seen us go through, he puts on garments of vengeance. He's furious. Absolutely furious. He's furious upon the enemy. It goes back to the first verse with unbelief. And people say, you can't hear. Your hand can't get to the earth. It's short. And Isaiah is saying, no, it's not God. It's you. Because he is furious. He will unleash everything, all of his wrath upon the enemy. But it's not because he doesn't want to. It's because this hasn't happened because we are in sin and iniquity. And people are crying out for justice. This is what he wants to do. <clears throat> He's come as a priest in righteousness to execute judgment. Now his wrath can be released. <clears throat> so vengeance upon his enemies. <clears throat> And then for us, he brings a cloak of zeal. The same word for jealous, Yahweh Ka'ana, because he is jealous over us. So this garment that he comes in, it's like a kingly purple, lavish garment of zeal. And he's saying, I bring you into the kingdom with all of my jealousy. I desire you. I desire you as the bridegroom. I desire you as the king. So this is a full expression of his face. You want his face? That's, that's, what he's, that's what he's getting at with me right now, his face. It's the priesthood to bring righteousness. It's the fact that we can't hear and see, so he has to bring his own helmet, and he brings the whole army. He releases his full wrath upon the enemy, and then he comes with all the kingdom as the king and the bridegroom in the zeal of love. That's the summary of his faith. And he's saying, this is what I had to do to save you. I had to do these things to save you. And Isaiah said it so many ways in so many other uh, in so many other chapters, but this is how he says it here. All the prophets saw this in some form or manner. Isaiah 40. I think we've read this before, but I don't read it again. I think it's appropriate. Isaiah forty, verse one. Comfort you, comfort you, my people, says Yahuwah. <clears throat> Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare. And and the warfare is the appointed time, actually, is what it means. That your appointed time has been accomplished and that your iniquity is pardoned. For she has received the Yahweh's hand, double for all of her sins. Because remember, Jerusalem was supposed to be Zion being birthed onto the earth, and it's not. It's the city of Babylon. And God still loves Jerusalem. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yahweh; Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. <laughs> we're, 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 this is the spirit of Elijah. So John the Baptist, Jesus said, if you receive him, this is the spirit of Elijah. And Malachi says this too. Before the great and dreadful day of Yahweh, I will send Elijah the prophet. And that's why those that practice Judaism set on Passover an open chair for Elijah. They expect Elijah to come before they get delivered from bondage of the second Exodus. And in Isaiah forty verse 3 John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord the spirit of Elijah has been released and that's that's what I see it's been released to preach the day of vengeance of our god mm-hmm. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and every hill be made no, low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. <clears throat> and for a long time, I've been loosing the angels of breakthrough to break down any barrier or obstacle or objection that opposes my call and mandate and assignment to level any mountain or hill, to flatten any valley, to straighten any crooked path, to make plain any rough places, and I shared this with you a couple months ago. He said, stop. Don't just do the breakthrough. Loose the angels of victory. Because the spirit of Elijah now has been sent forth. And the glory of Yahweh shall be revealed. This is Isaiah 60. That's on our way. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of Yahweh has spoken it. What he spoke, he will accomplish. The voice said, cry. This is the same language that we're seeing in Isaiah 59 that we've read in several, in several places today. Cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all godliness there is, is as grass as the flower of the field. It means there's nothing, there's no righteous being done. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the spirit of Yahweh blows upon it, surely the people are grass. Because he has to hide his face when he starts to try to do something in his people, his people fall over because they're unholy. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Elohim shall stand forever. means that even though that the people are unholy, God said that the people would be holy. He said that he would manifest his glory through them, so it will stand. It will come to pass. Verse 9, Isaiah then cries out for Zion. O Zion, that you bring good tidings. tidings. Get up on the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your Elohim. God even is using Zion to encourage us, even though Zion's saying, what about me? Zion is sent to encourage us, to bring us good tidings, to remind us of our eternal destiny on Mount Zion, our eternal destiny as as the new city of Jerusalem. Verse 10, behold, Yahuwah Adonai. will come with a strong right hand. His arm shall rule for him, and his reward is with him and his work before him. And that's what we read in Isaiah fifty-nine seventeen. So when we think about the, the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the garments of vengeance and the cloak of zeal, this is all the second move of the spirit of Elijah coming forth. This is all the preparation of the second exodus. This is the preparation of the return of our king. So when we put on those garments, put it on with that mindset, we are going forth in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the day of vengeance of our God. Back to Isaiah 59. <clears throat> Verse 18: "According to their deeds or their recompense, accordingly I he will repay. fury to his adversaries, Recompense to his enemies." To the islands, he will repay recompense. I was going to do a study a little bit on, on islands. I am going to skip that because I think the Holy Spirit took, took us in a totally different direction. But the point in, the, in, in, in 18 is we want judgment. Here comes the judgment. Are we actually ready for this kind of judgment? He's not going to come back. As a suffering servant. He's not coming back with their suffering sir as a suffering servant this time. He's coming back with recompense. Verse nineteen. So shall they fear the name of Yahuwah from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of Yahuwah shall lift up a standard or put him to flight. So Isaiah took us through because of our sins and iniquities, because of the defilement of blood into the earth and because of the lies to heaven, that heaven is brass and the earth is brass, that the enemy has taken advantage of all of us. At this point in time, when he comes back in this manner and manifest his glory through us. You see what I mean by God has hidden us in his darkness? And I was meditating on this a couple of weeks ago, and he said to me, he said, Todd, the earth is not ready for you. And who am I? I'm just a guy that's, you know, sitting at the table here with you all. You know, I, I, have, I have a wonderful marriage. I have kids. I have a job. I'm, I'm going to hang out in camp and camp. I'm just a person. And God said, the earth is not ready for you. What I'm going to do through you in my glory, the earth can't handle right now. I have to hide you in darkness. What I just experienced in reading through this, that's what I was seeing, was the fullness of that. That's why we have to take so seriously the drawing near to him. Throughout Genesis, throughout Exodus, they were saying, can someone really speak to God and live? I don't think we fully understand that. Can you really handle... His voice, like Psalm 29, we learn to hear his still, small voice. But what happens when his voice comes at us with many waters? The enemy comes at us with his voice like a flood, and now Yah's voice goes through us and sends that flood fleeing. Fear of Yah will be through the earth. <clears throat> Verse 20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. Praise God. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says Yahweh. So those that have begun the turning process and have began to seek his face, he goes to Zion, he goes to them. And he reminds both in verse 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, Zion and Jacob, says Yahuwah. My spirit that is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed nor out of the mouth of your seed, seed, says Yahuwah, from henceforth and evermore. When he does this, we will only be speaking truth, and he will hear every single one of our voices, every single word, and none of our words will fall to the ground empty, nor our kids, nor our kids' kids, through the millennium and through generations. It will be over. Only the word of God will go forth out of our mouth. And he declared it and he said, That's my covenant with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your word that came down in might and put on the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the garments of vengeance and the cloak of zeal, because there was not anyone that was capable of doing this task. And that you are going to manifest your word, Yeshua HaMashiach, the great high priest, through our lips forever, a pure and holy stream. So we cry out and say, may we be holy as you are holy, so that we could handle the truth always going through our lips. Like Isaiah cried out and said, send me, and you put a coal of fire on his lips. Father, may your word be a coal of fire on our lips in preparation of when your glory breaks out. We bow before the king in fear and trembling. We ask that we would have clean hands and a pure heart, that the king of glory would come into us, that you would make yourself manifest through us onto the earth, that you would align heaven and earth through us, our families and everyone that surrounds us into the earth and into the heavens. What a great and marvelous plan and call we have and a plan that you have given to us. Father, we repent for not taking care of our timelines. We have not taken care of the word that you have given us and all the events you have spoken into our hearts to come, of the things to come, and we have not tended to them. We have not watered them. We have not weeded them, and we have not guarded them. May we stand up this day and be strong and courageous and say yes. Father, I thank you that you took out a sharp, hot iron and dug out unbelief from our hearts today, that you took out this knife and you grinded out all of this sin and all of the defilements of blood. You ground it into powder and you threw it into the refiner's fire. And now I ask you, Holy Father, that you would go forth as a spirit of fire upon everyone here, that they would be sent and placed into the refiner's fire for proper use in the master's hand, that all the dross would be removed, that your refiner's fire would go forth without hesitation, without measure, into open, receiving, good, grounded hearts. May we be the ones that receive the spirit of Elijah that you would be made manifest to us in entirety. I thank you for Dan and Christian and Bride Movement and the forum that we could get together today and for everyone that hears the recording. That you are taking off the filters You are releasing your people to run like horses, like mighty men and chariots. All of heaven is rejoicing as your presence is being made manifest through all of creation and all the hosts thereof. May the trees clap their hands. May the stars stand up and bow down before you. and we send fear into the enemy's camp for the king is coming and we he will accomplish what he is called forth i thank you for everyone here that has a heart to hear a heart to repent and a heart to say yes May all your words this day be sealed by the blood of Yeshua and by your spirit. Amen. You've just listened to Todd Talks here at Bride Ministries International. Be sure to visit our website at bridemovement.com. You can support us by leaving a donation. You can also check out our other offerings, such as our church. You can check out our institute. We offer prayer resources and, of course, so much more.